to mention it. Niall asked me to explain why he's, he's looking so fragile. Um, uh, I think your son was born about 12 hours ago, 14 hours ago. And I've been crying all day. So, uh, bear with so, me. Okay, well, I'll, I'll do my best to uh, not, not to make things worse or better. Thanks for coming, <laughs> um, So, I guess in, in keeping with the spirit of this wonderful film um, and what I would I perceive and see as a kind of Wittgensteinian kind of kind of spirit, I'm going to ask a, or offer you a series of incomplete questions, uh, par partial prompts, and uh, and partial observations. Um, and the first is to kind of in invite you to, to talk about what is a fairly obvious question, which is about uh, a creative relationship mm. um, and, and how this formed and how this evolved o o over time. Um, and I'm always intrigued by the relationship between uh, subject and documentary filmmaker um, because inevitably there's a, a power dynamic um, mm. that, that, that comes to the fore. Um, and I was struck by a quote by the film theorist Leo Brody today, um, which invites, I think, a reflection on that power dynamic, which I think, from watching your film, is almost completely absent, which is what makes it such, a, such an intriguing um, uh, example of non-fiction filmmaking. And the quote goes like this, and, and, and I'll, I'll stop talking. Um, it says, to be talked about a lot um, is to be part of a story. To be part of a story is to be at the mercy of storytellers. Mm. So maybe both of you could discuss that idea. And what do you think the film? Do you think the film? Um, that this isn't about me. Yeah, no. okay. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll talk a bit about um, how myself and Adrian met and how we came to make the film. Um, I, I, I met Adrian, um, I was making a film called Lost in France um, in 2016, or it came out in 2016. I was about a uh, Glasgow music scene in the 1990s um, and Adrian is on a record label called Chemical Underground that are based in Glasgow. So I'd interview, I wanted to interview Adrian or I spoke to Adrian about interviewing him for that film um, and Adrian, we decided that it wouldn't really work, um, anyone has seen that film, that film sort of focused on people who were on a certain trip at a certain time and Adrian wasn't on that trip, yeah. <laughs> so we, um, at that time, I think I was still sort of, I had a bit of hope, so I, every time I met someone, I'd tell them um, who I was interested in, I'd say, oh, let's make a film together. And um, Adrian sort of held me to it, and we, we became friends, um, and we talked about the idea of making a film. And the Arts Council have a fund called the Real Art Fund, um, to give you money to make an experimental film about the arts. Um, so we went for that. Um, and early on, myself and Adrian said that Adrian had no interest in talking about himself in that sort of this happened and this happened and this happened sort of thing. And I didn't want to make that film. I'd already made two films about musicians and about music. Um, so I wanted to do something different. And that fund was a way of, you know, having a bit of freedom. The Arts Council are great like that. They don't really give you any notes, um, for better or worse. Um, <laughs> And we were free to do whatever we wanted. And I wanted to make a film that was sort of about this. When we were trying to figure out the film, I was interviewing Adrian in the shot at the start and the end of the film on the rooftop. And um, the alarm, the, that alarm did go off. It interrupt, interrupted the interview. 
And I remember thinking, I wonder what it would be like to jump into Adrian's head now. <laughs> and explore, you know, you're supposed to, like, uh, me as a filmmaker, and if I'm making a film about someone's life, I'm supposed to order it in a very consumable and, you know, in a, in a certain nar narrative way that makes it easy for people to understand and maybe doesn't tell, doesn't show the sort of complexities of, of life and the sort of um, uh, even more banal moments. And I wanted to give the audience space within the film to, you know, think about their own lives too and what, a, you know, what a film about anyone's life would mean. Um, I could go on, but am I okay for no, no, well, uh, you're totally okay for time. Because what I'm involved in, in in making films about people's lives is generally making their lives consumable and telling lies about their lives because <laughs> film is lying and editing is lying and all that sort of lying. So I wanted to make a film that reflected on that, had a bit of fun and pushed forward. But also as well, the film, they, we let the film find us. There was no script. If Adrian was going to New York to play a gig, so we went. I wanted to go to Wittgenstein's the house where Wittgenstein stayed in, in um, Killary Harbour, so we went there. Um, so the film sort of found us in a way, you know. Um, do you want to? Sorry, I talked to Muster. Adrian, would you like to offer some insight into how then that creative relationship evolved over time um, and how that dynamic evolved? Yeah, it was very much like that bar scene that you saw. Um, <laughs> And it's true, I, I still don't really remember the first time we met. But I do remember the early conversations, and I, I am, like Niall said, was becoming more and more um, unsure whether or not I should be involved in the film that he first approached me about. And also, I kept asking, why, why, why have you come to me to make a film? I, I couldn't really understand that. Um, and... But then we sort of by accident discovered that we both loved telling each other stories. And we kept um, postponing the main point of our meeting, which was to talk about this film that we might make together. But we never really got around to it. And then it was really funny in, in that we realized that we had been talking about that all the time. So um, it was almost like writing a story in your sleep. Actually, I was recording bits and pieces um, while on tour about a dictaphone on my phone and sending them to by through Dropbox and Matthew, who's here. And, and then also I'd send them sort of video Super 8 clips and forget about them. And then meanwhile, they were stitching it all together and um, finding clues amongst things that I left out and also things that I might have told them about. But one interesting thing was that I, I said I didn't want to talk about myself and I didn't want to talk about my life. And I said, just make shit up. Just, you know, <laughs> tell us a lot of like, fiction. So that must have been some kind of reverse psychology. So I thought I, I, I'd make up some fiction and in the end I made up nothing I just told. True stories. So the film was pieced together like that as we went along. Um, but it's that idea, it's been around with that idea, like loads, it's trying to play around with loads of ideas, but one of them is if you are filming someone and they know you're filming them, they start acting. So we thought push that to a level where Adrian's playing Adrian, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
And he's, the film title comes from, um, there's a Ken Mullen film uh, called Ghost Dance, um, and Jack Derrida, the French philosopher, is in it, and in it he says, when you film someone or record someone, you make a ghost out of them. Because when, when Adrian's gone, this film will still exist, and he'll, he'll still be here in some shape or form, like a ghost. And in the film, he's a ghost visiting his own life. Um, very sort of, what do you call it, um, Scrooge thing. It's Christmas as well. It's a bit <laughs> like that. Um, and then Wittgenstein's a ghost anyway, but he's a ghost in our film. Yeah. Um, the elephant's a ghost. So it's, it's just about playing around with different ideas, but I wanted to make a film that emotionally made sense more than necessarily intellectually, while trying to play around with ideas that I think by the time you get to the point where Adrian's burning his notes and stuff like that, it does, if you've been watching, I think, or if you, if you like the film, it does have an emotional wallop. Um, and that's what I was after. And again, it was the, using the freedom that we were given after being, you know, in quite making films under different sort of circumstances. So I guess the starting point, in a lot of ways, what you're alluding to here is that both of you had, um, were very aware of the perils of, of biographical filmmaking. Yeah. Um, and how contrived and, yeah. and stilted and artificial. Well, it's a problem with film. I think if you think about it too much, you can end up in a bit of trouble. But it is it is a problem with film. Um, and when you've got funders who want certain things, like you, often when you get funding, um, you know you're told that you have to get certain people who might be famous in a film in order to 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 make it, which is sort of goes against what when I was younger I wanted to do when I made films. But that's the way it is, I guess. But this gave us the freedom to, to you know, do different things. So, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're basically stating now that the, the film evolved over time um, and the shape of the film and the identity of the film yeah. evolved over time. Um, I mentioned this to the other day when we, when we met for a cup of tea, um, that there's a, a lovely um, quote by the, the, the film um, academic Ray Car Carney who's written a lot about uh, John Cassavetes mm. and he describes Cassavetes' creative process and, it, and it's a lovely way of distilling that process. And he calls it one of, um, of, of patient exploration and tentative discovery. Um, this notion of, of patient exploration, and I guess in a sense, trusting a process and yeah. trusting each other um, seems to be a, a kind of guiding principle. No, big time, yeah. I think we put Adrian in a certain scene, in a landscape, in a certain place, and we trust that we'd get something from it. We didn't reshoot stuff. We didn't... Um, you know, if the camera fell over, I'd find a way of using it. And I try to, I do that in all my films anyway. Um, but Cassavetes is a huge influence, but also this idea of chance, and you've, you're completely right, that you need to be open to it and allow things to come in. So a lot of that film are things that we didn't plan, we didn't know about. The elephant as well, we went to Coney Island and someone who was there knew the elephant story, so we, and then we included that, and then we found the footage of the elephant. Um, I don't think Edison did it, but he was involved. A lot of stories aren't necessarily true in there. <laughs> the guy outside Wittgenstein's house that we spoke to, um, I'm not sure if he did burn those papers, but I, he did live near. He li did live there when Wittgenstein was there, and I think Wittgenstein and his father hated each other. So. <laughs> I, I wonder why they hated each think, other. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he um, he burned any papers though. I think they were used. They were used as the bottom. Of the cage mm. for the chickens. Yeah, you know, like wow. that. You know, Apparently, like the cat yeah. litter. Trail. Maybe that's not true. Chicken litter. You'd know. Uh, I, I'll, I'll have to look okay, that one yeah. up. Yeah, that's, that's pretty pretty refined that information. Um, that's true. Yeah. So I, what I find 
uh, particularly remarkable about the film is, and we're back to this kind of Wittgensteinian, Wittgensteinian notion of, of incompleteness, um, of posing questions and of refining questions um, and offering them to, to an audience. Um, I think there's uh, real courage and real generosity in constructing a film that way and inviting an audience to, to, to fill in the gaps themselves um, and to offer a space for that kind of reflection or even pro sometimes provocation. I mean, the, the, the footage of the, I mean, what is basically an elephant snuff yeah. movie. Um, um, yeah, we did is, think is, about that. Is, uh, is pretty startling footage. Um, but um, I suppose it's, it's, it's offering that kind of, or inviting that responsibility or offering that responsibility yeah. back to the audience to decipher what it is. That and some people have responded badly to that scene. And yeah. I was told by and I'm not holding in on that scene in particular. No, it's no, just, but it's, you're right, it's that idea of, um, I think uh, Michael Haneke um, said it before, you know, you're looking for a cinema of questions, not a cinema of answers, yeah. or easy answers, which Hollywood um, and Western cinema can often be, that you're not ask stuff, you're told stuff. Yeah. And you leave, you don't leave wondering about a film. Like sometimes the best films are the films that you mightn't even like that much, but that you're still thinking about a few weeks later. I remember seeing Antichrist by Von Trier, and I hated it. And when it came up at the end, it dedicated to Andrew Tark Tarkovsky. I nearly went mad. I think I nearly asked for my money back here. But um, I was still thinking about that film nearly a month later. And that might be the point of cinema more, more so than being entertained, you know? All the time. Um, I'm, I'm also, I mean, for, for Adrian, and I guess this is, you know, there's different types of creative process at work here, um, and you come from two different kind of worlds, but yet they seem to dovetail um, on, almost seamlessly in, 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 in the film. Um, and that notion of, you know, Adrian burning those kind of notes at the end, and I guess each note has Adrian's name on it. Yeah. Um, and this, I mean, it's almost an act of self-annihilation in some ways. Um, this kind of, again, I find myself back with Wittgenstein a lot watching this film for obvious and non-obvious reasons. But there's a, a, a wonderful book published a few years ago by Black Dog Publishing um, called There Where You Are Not. Um, and it borrows its title from lyrics from a, 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 a song by, by, by Schubert um, called, called The Wanderer. Um, and it states that there where you are not, there is your happiness. So this notion of, of self-effacement, almost mm. self-annihilation, um, uh, you know, self-sacrifice in a way. That's one um, of the things that attracted me to Adrian on Adrian's music was, like, it was great to meet someone who didn't want to talk about themselves. And myself and Matthew said when we were making the film often, we said if, if the audience knows less about Adrian, factually by the end of the film then we've done the we've done the proper thing it was supposed to be there's that new ad i don't know why i think of this but i've been thinking about it a lot that uh, vodafone ad or something i hate all those vodafone ads but the one where this guy jumps into water or into the 50 foot of christmas and it's just this idea of like the com complete commodification of everyday life to the point where when you have you know even this morning i was like is this real or is this a vodafone ad <laughs> um, and the film is, was supposed to be a reaction to that as well. Welcome to Parenthood. Yeah. Um, I, th I think but it's on Adrian's music deals with dreams, it deals with, you know, the space between waking and dreaming, the um, nature, landscape, all that sort of stuff. So it was, it w there was also an idea to, you, you know, you need to match form 
the subject matter. So it was about all those things. And some of the, you know, the line where Adrian says, um, that's what I do, I'm trying to hold on to my childhood. There are bits in there that Adrian is giving some of himself. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's about getting there in a roundabout way rather than having... Um, Dave Fanning or someone tell you how much he likes. Uh, I don't know. Dave's great guy. I shouldn't. Um, Tom Dunn telling you how much he likes Adrian's music. Okay. You know? <laughs> well, look, he's Adrian's blushing now. Um, but Adrian, well, <laughs> but Adrian, this this notion of uh, I mean, th- there's a lot of beautiful music um, in, in in the film. Um, to what extent did, did music become a kind of guiding tool for for the structure? Um, of the overall film, or was it was it left in, was it just fragment after fragment, or did, did, did a kind of more coherent whole start to come into focus for both of you, um, and was music useful in that regard? I think my publisher only told us that we were allowed only to use seven songs. Mm. <laughs> from one album. From the last the, album. The album he was making at the time. Uh, but actually, I didn't want to um, lean on music at all to tell a story. So, actually, Niall was, was pretty open to me um, going away and having to think about things. So, you know, it would have been very lazy to, like, pack as many songs in there as I could. So I started off with no music. And also, I spent quite a bit of time writing music, especially for the film. Mm-hmm, yeah. Sort of the kind of music that maybe you might have not, not realise was there, actually, after watching yeah. the film, there's quite a lot of music that I recorded, wrote especially yeah. for the link scenes and the dream sequences and the stories. Like all the audio is Adrian. And the film was made in that sort of like a conversation between us and Adrian in the same way that I wanted the film to be a conversation between the audience and the film. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's that notion of conversation that I think is, is, is particularly special about the film. And I guess now it's, it's, it's an opportunity to to invite a different kind of uh, dialogue. If people have, have questions for Niall or Adrian, please, please ask them. That happens sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> what do we do now? Just keep talking. Keep talking. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh. Um, thanks for not. I really, really enjoyed it. And um, I think there's so many things to think about in it. Things that strangely synchronistic. I've been thinking about myself this week as well as how, how life goes sometimes. Um, I think the, the whole name thing was quite interesting, you know, with Alistair and Adrian. I was just reading an article this week is saying that uh, if you, sh- you know, people who share the same surname have a 24% chance on average, you know, all being related. And in fact, the chance increases the more unusual the name is, although it's a relatively unusual name. So it's not so unlikely that some <laughs> relationship Biologically, genetically between the singer and the uh, and the uh, and the occultist. Um, but um, one thing that's interesting me most actually is kind of just a response really is this whole thing about darkness. You know, this thing about Wittgenstein wanting darkness to think. And we have this line in the film about you have to look so you can see, which I actually found a little bit glib to be honest. Um, <laughs> I was also thinking about uh, the poet John Patton's line about we turn from the light to see. He says. You know, we often do, don't we? We close our eyes or we cover our eyes when we're trying to think or imagine something. So it's actually darkness which is the condition of seeing, very paradoxically. And so that would mean that, again, this idea that editing is a lie. It's not just that editing is a lie. Filmmaking is a lie. Mm. 
films are made of light, right? Photography's made of light. So I suppose my, my question then that I take away and just put back in is how how does one integrate or how does one build darkness into a film? It's a paradoxical thing to do, mm. isn't it? Literally and metaphorically. How do you make space for darkness? The only film director I can think of who really does that in any very cinematic, interesting way is probably David Lynch with a film like Eraserhead, which is all about bringing images out of the dark. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's, that was kind of interesting for you in this film or, or is there any comment on that? Well, if you could, I suppose if, if we could see dark, or if you could think of darkness as being obstruction or getting in the way of a clear story in order to think um, and using editing in that way. But I think that Michael Haneke, you said, um, and you're right, I think film is line, but you know, a lot of the stuff is. But the Michael Haneke idea, I think it's Haneke. It takes a Goddard um, quote about film is uh, true 24 frames a second. And Haneke said, film is lies 24 frames a second, but in service of truth. And I think the, I do think by the end of the film, you might know less about, you know, what Adrian had for breakfast, but you might know more about him as a human being and an artist. Um, I don't, I can't really think at the minute about a proper answer to you about the darkness thing, but I'll have a, I'll have a think about it. It's, a, it's an interesting thought. And you're right, that line is glib. <laughs> no, no, but that's the point. But it is glib, yeah. There is glib stuff in there. I'm not pretending there's not. Okay, well, um, if there's any other questions, I think we have time for one more question. Okay. How did you like start composing the music without having like a clear storyline You mean for the film, specifically the yeah. film? Yeah. Um, it was process kind of like going for a walk going back to my desk and then putting down what I what was left over after the walk always like that it was never done to the images in fact I wasn't really present during the um, early editing stage or even mm -hmm. the final the first time I saw the whole film was here in the IFI and so the music, I just went with it instinctively and sent quite a lot of music to the guys. And then they, they put it in there. So <laughs> <laughs> all the That's stories, the as well, like the stories, most uh, nearly all of them are Adrian's. I asked him to send. He sent us loads of stories. He recorded loads, and then we picked the ones that we wanted in the film, or that suited the film. Um, so you know, in every sense, the film is a collaboration like that. Um, and the overall structure would be myself, I suppose, more so, but the stories in there um, are, are Asian wrote them all. Okay, great. Well, listen, thanks very much, guys, for, for offering me some really Thank you, thanks for coming. you and um, I think Adrian's going to perform a couple of songs. Can I remember what microphone I was using? This one. This one. Yeah, it was on. Grab that under the stool there. It's going to be a bit messy around here, but it's fine.
as you were okay with it. Sea spray kisses her on the neck 
I heard the ceremony was poorly attended. And I 
can't remember leaving the party.